Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Terry N., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Janu- Wednesday, January 30th, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in Bill's story on page four, starting with the first paragraph, abruptly in October 1929, reading through two paragraphs, ending with, this time we stayed broke. Our readers today, the 12 Steps, Diane G, 12 Traditions, Christina L, and the readers of the text are Madeline R, Hoodie R, and Nancy T. Our newcomer greeter is Leon B, and our host for the second hour is Sandy W. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. And I missed the share IDs. The share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, January 29th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,472. That's 12472. The share ID for the 10 a.m. meeting for yesterday is 12,474, that's 12474. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, a recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. I'll now ask Christina L. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Christina L. from Florida, and here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, you, Christina L. Thank you. Excuse me. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page four in Bill's story, the first paragraph, starting with abruptly in October 1929, reading through two paragraphs, ending with this time we stayed broke. And I will now ask Madeline R. to please get us started. Thank you. Madeline R. recovered in Pennsylvania. Abruptly in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of those days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was 8 o'clock, five hours after the market closed. The ticker still clattered. I was staring at an inch of the tape, which bore the inscription XYZ minus 32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished 
and so were many friends. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. My friends had dropped several millions since 10 o'clock. So what? Tomorrow was another day. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought I had better go to Canada. By the following spring, we were living in our accustomed style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba, no St. Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time, we stayed broke. I'm Madeline Recovered. A compulsive eater here in Pennsylvania, and I love Bill's story because it sets the stage for the historical backdrop that was taking place at the time, much of what occurred during a very tumultuous period in our life. And the first thing I'm drawn to was that I wobbled from a hotel to a brokerage office, and then it talks about losing everything, his work as the financier who he was, helping people through, helping people make decisions, you know, what kind of a job do you have left? He reports there people um, were reported jumping to their death. And that disgusted him. That was not going to be for Bill Wilson. He wasn't going to jump. Instead, what did he do? He goes back to the bar says here, tomorrow was another day. Always tomorrow. Tomorrow would change things. Tomorrow would get better. Tomorrow I'd have another chance. Tomorrow would be different. You know, balking at the suicidal attempts of the people who just didn't know which way to turn. Uh-uh, it wasn't for me either. Um, I was going to continue and prevail. My own slow death. My own slow suicide. You know, in my case, one drop of food at a time, one binge at a time, one bender at a time. And always the next scheme that this time it was going to be different. What comes to me is many resolutions, but no decision to make a difference. It's just another part of Bill, you know, one of the first to finally put the story down in paper to say that this is what it was like. We're still talking about what it was like. And although we're coming near bottom, we haven't hit bottom yet because I have yet another idea, another scheme, another way to do it my way and move forward without having any trouble. That was how I spent a lot of my eating career. This time it would be different. This time I would be better. This time I had the exact new scheme of what needed to be done. Mine wasn't always calling on friends, although sometimes it was, and starting anything new that they had done. You know, trying any possible diet to continue what? To continue eating while having my cake and eating it too. To have a different kind of a life while continuing in my own addiction. And so the story will continue and tell us that more and more of that spiral down to hitting bottom. So I'm going to pass now. It's just about my time. I want to leave time for plenty of sharing. Thanks so much for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Madeline R. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I have a tickle this morning. 
Um, okay, now is the time when everybody shouts their name at me. <laughs> Madam G from Boston. Madam Chrissy from North G from Boston. Madam All right, hold on, please. Elise N. Hold on a minute. Hold, please stop. Barbara I'm going to tell you who I... Please stop. I'm going to tell you who I got. (laughs) I have Chrissy G, Matt M, Katie G, Elise somebody, and Leslie somebody. I'll take one more. I just... Barbara M. I... Barbara E. No, before Barbara. Ida. Ida. Ida A. There we go. Ida A. There we go. We got our lineup. We have Chrissy G, Matt M, Katie G, Elise, I didn't get your initial, Leslie N. BW, Elise N, Leslie W, and Ida A. Go ahead, Chrissy G, you're up. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yep. Hi, I'm Chrissy G, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New York. And when I'm listening to this, it just reminds me of just what I was taught and what I believed, you know, not that he's such a bad guy for wanting to win and be successful in life and whatever that that he was taught that means, you know, in terms of financial success and things like that. And, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't taught and I, I don't think our culture really supports the idea of living a spiritual life and not a material life. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, anytime I get, and it, and it happens still to this day, anytime when I get focused on the wrong things and want to accomplish things, and I can feel, I can feel the obsessive nature of, of my, my disease, the way my mind works. And the only thing that could stop me short is is my relationship with the higher power and that's why it keeps me balanced it's the only thing that i've found that keeps me balanced not my intellect like not my reasoning you know i didn't get up every day and say to myself i need i need more balance in my life um you know let me do do this and i didn't have the power to follow through on that even if i did have those good ideas those good thoughts so in terms of how I'm able to function in my life today and stay balanced, which for me, emotional balance equals sobriety and abstinence and just, just a happy, happy enough life, the way I do that is maintaining relationship with the higher power through working the steps, especially the, the 12th step and helping other people. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Chrissy G. And just so you know, Barbara E., I did put you at the end. I'm sorry. Um, So you're in there, too. So next up, we have Matt M., followed by Katie G. Thank you, Terry, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. I'm from New Jersey. Here is the booming swelling of the 1920s comes to an abrupt end. Black Tuesday, October 1929. It's basically people are killing themselves because they never listened to Bill. Bill was telling everybody, guys, we've got to do research and look into these companies. We've got to look into these prospects. We have to do, do the work and find them. People say, but they poo-pooed it and said, no, no, we don't need to look at this. We'll just uh, put the money into it and fine. It's almost like the big um, real estate bubble that burst in the t- early 2002 and, and 2003. So, you know, it's definitely something that um, 
was really working on Bill's mind. He decided to get drunk instead. And um, so basically he wouldn't kill himself. He decided to drink himself into oblivion instead. That's what I used to do. I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, deal with life. I wanted to avoid life because I didn't want, I wanted, I was looking down on myself. I didn't have a relationship. I was over 600 pounds. My trail, my, the way I was living was falling apart all around me. Uh, my money was being spent on food, deliver, getting delivered to my house. The things I did were crazy. My behavior was out of control. It was erratic. My, I was like so restless, irritable, and discontented. I, 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 can, I, I can really relate to Bill wanting to drink myself, eat myself into oblivion because I didn't, nothing else mattered because I didn't care anymore because I was just so beaten down by life and uh, just so depressed and, and, and uh, listless, you know, and I'm very grateful just for today that I have the opportunity to be more than that to give back to people and to and to give back to the program because I have a lot to offer and I want to give back to people. I've been given so many wonderful gifts over the years. I've been in the rooms over 11 years and I realized that I, that I do have something. My story is unique to me and I can give people, give my story to others, my experience, strength, and hope in order to, like I said, pay it forward, which is what I have to do. So I definitely relate to Bill. I know what it's like to eat myself into oblivion and I definitely want, want to see where he's going with this next. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Next up, we have Katie G, followed by Elise N. Thank you, Carrie. Good morning. This is Katie G, Recovered in Boston. There's so much beautiful stuff here. Yeah, I mean, what I hear um, that I recognize is, you know, judging people and then doing the same thing that they're doing, right? So these, these men are jumping from the towers of high finance, and then he's drinking himself into death and how many times have I judged people for binging their brains out and then starved myself, right? Or looked at anorexics and exercise bulimics and diagnosed them because that's my job and then gone and done the same thing because life's a competition, don't you know? I need to be the thinnest girl in the room. I need to be the most successful. I told my first boss out of college within a month, I said, how do I get promoted? He didn't give me the right answer, and so I proceeded to interview everyone in the company, have these casual lunches, so I could find out how Katie G. from Boston was going to get promoted, right? And he said to me, Katie, life is a marathon. It is not a sprint, and I have been sprinting my whole life. And thank you, God, you all teach me that, you know, this isn't a competition, but how many competitions do I resurrect in my mind? Like when I was in relapse, not wanting to be part of OA until I got my food under control or my weight under control because the fierce determination to be the best OA member was coming up for me, right? Like, or, or needing to be heard, needing to be seen um, because I am placing my value and worth on other people. And I too, as a recovered woman, I mean, so I recently went back to exercising and I was doing it in a weight and measured way, but my fierce determination to win came back and I ignored pain in my foot until I was doing a 10th step and said to a friend, gee, you think I need to go to the doctor, right? Because I was placing my, my, my value and my worth on external things, right? Or I think that life is a competition and I need to protect my family from, you know, loved ones because there's this fierce determination to win. And thank you, God, every day I get redirected back to God, back to my source of value and worth because life cannot be a competition. This isn't about winning and losing, 
This is about being one among many and recognizing, you know, I don't have to use food today and I don't have to use people and places and things to feel okay because there are infinite resources in God's economy. And your joy and your success is God showing me that, that joy and success is possible. Right in, in this room, that's what we base this program on, like one OA talking to another OA saying, look what God did for me. And it's not about me as my favorite <clears throat> quote says, you know, thanks for noticing God's handiwork. So please, God, help me stay grounded. I'll just wrap up with this. Help me stay grounded in you today, God. And remember that life is not a battle. There are no winners and losers today. You know, help me be one among many. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Next up, we have Elise N., followed by Leslie, I think, W. Dad, Elise. Hi. Um, good morning. This is Elise. Um, I love this meeting. I'm not always up to be on it. Um, and I guess I, you know, I wanted to share today. I'm getting, um, getting up to um, six months of recovery after many years of relapse. And I'm relating to this in that... Um, you know, going along in the wrong way before hitting bottom. Um, I had a lot of casualties, you know, with me. And I have, you know, my husband um, ended up not getting help for depression and committing suicide because he didn't get that help. Um, and that was years ago. But um, I can relate to the slow suicide. And my children you know, we're younger and my youngest would say to me, you're killing yourself too. And who's going to take care of us when you die? Um, and, you know, they're very verbal. You know, you teach them well, you teach them to be able to speak up for themselves. And the next thing you know, they're telling you exactly how they feel. Um, and, she would, you know, I would come up to camp to pick her up and I would have stuff that I'd eaten, crumbs on me, and she would cry. I just remember some of these memories. And now, you know, she will put her arms around me and she said, I love the way you're living today. And it's not only, it's not how I look, it's how I behave. I'm present, I'm not going out to restaurants after work, eating, not making dinner. I'm, you know, now it's I prepare dinner before I go to work. So if I'm working late, the kids have the food. You know, the kids are now 18 and 23. But I'm saying even now, though, I'm, I take care of business first. And I'm able to be present at my job. I also... I heard Katie G talking about, I work with people that have this disease. I work with a lot of different issues as a therapist and I'm able to be present and listen, not be, you know, and, and to be better. People are coming back and I'm getting better and better at, at that. And I'm just grateful because I know this isn't coming from me. I know I have this, this ailment and it's not coming from me but I can live the rest of my life, you know, being of service to others and getting closer to God. And I was listening on the radio just to wrap it up. Um, they were asking, what, what do you want to change 
this year in 2019 and people were saying, I want to start a business and I want this and that. And I was thinking, I want to get closer to God and I want to pray more. I want to, my prayer to go deeper. That's my goal. So um, that's all I have to share today. Thank you. Thank you, Elise N. Next up, we have Le- Leslie, I think, W, followed by Ida A. Yep, it's Leslie W. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I appreciate it. You're doing a great, great job. Um, Leslie W. here from Tennessee, recovered just for today, and I'm so thankful to be here with all my fellows. And this morning, um, school is delayed this morning by an hour because there's a, about a quarter of an inch of snow on the ground. So anyway, um, I love this. It says, you know, I was disgusted. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. And that just reminds me how I used to feel about people who um, were drugging or doing other things, you know, and how I judged them. And yet, where was my disgust in myself when I could not get through the night without eating? Um, Or I barely could watch my one-year-old toddle around um, because I was so drunk on the food on the couch ignoring my friends, ignoring everybody around me, shutting my husband out. I'm just so incredibly astounded by, you know, my ego in those days. And my ego can still, still come out today and and rear its ugly head. Um, But, you know, thankfully, um, thankfully I don't have to, 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 live that way anymore and and for those of you on the line who are new you know and you're hiding in the tv in the room with your food um you know we know what that's like we we know where you are so just stick around because life does get better and yesterday i played out in this show with my kids and i and i had a good time i would have never done that in my disease I was too selfish. I was too scared to participate in life. I couldn't show up. So <laughs> so today, I'm showing up today with all of you. Glad to be here. Thanks, guys. I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. Uh, next up, we have Ida A., followed by Barbara E. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Terry. Thanks so much for your service. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I absolutely identify in. This is Ida from Northern British Columbia, a grateful compulsive overeater, and I have had a food problem and a thinking problem probably since the day I was born. And I relate in, identify in. I moved to Canada too. (laughs) I I was reading, what? What? I missed out the first go-round. So thank you for letting me jump in on the phone because I... Gosh, I I grew up on the East Coast in the States, and I moved uh, to Pennsylvania, then to Texas, then to California, and I hit water. So it's like, I can't go home, so I moved north. And just like Bill, I was so judgmental, so judgmental of weakness, and I was stubborn and inflexible, belligerent, driven. And looking back, now that the food is down and, and 
God gets in and, and I'm present more, I realized God showed up in so many unique ways. So when I moved to Canada, I was filling the major food, major exercise, and making my own wine and having all of these social workers over the party, and they wore me down. I took in a few dogs and was like, that went well. How hard can a kid be? I'm a single parent. How hard can a kid be? So this seven, beautiful little boy, seven-year-old, moves in, little Canadian boy, moves in, and, and he can't remember the name Ida. So the first week in, I'm wearing this name tag. Hello, my name is Ida. And I'm, and I'm kind of going, huh, I wonder how this is going to go. And, you know, what ended up happening was this little tiny boy with all of these learning challenges, with all of this aggression, with all of these broken pieces, was kind of my first Eddie in a way because he taught me, he taught me patience and he taught me tolerance and he taught me kindness and he, and he taught me how to love and, and how to trust. And he's 28 now. He's a better person than I am. He's kinder and he's more patient. But he also, in a way, helped me get into OA, get into the visionary stuff and, and help me refocus on me. And so I owe so much to this program and to people in a way that have been God with skin. My son was one of those. Some of you visionaries are some of those. And so today I see God has been with me the whole time. Every time I made this about me, it was really a we because I was growing my ego. And I don't need to do that today. As I work the steps with the food down, as I acknowledge my powerless every morning, powerlessness, every morning, as I acknowledge the need to acknowledge a power that is not Ida, my life is so much better. And thank you all for being here. Thank you for being the bright spot in my morning and setting my day toward grace as opposed to Ida. I pass. Thank you, Ida A. Next up, we have Barbara E. Thank you so much, and thank you all for your inspirational shares. Wow, when I first read this, I saw the papers reported of men jumping from death to death from the towers of high finance. And I thought, how callow, how callous of Jim to just go back to the bar and say, I would never do that. That disgusted me. But having read this book so many times now, I see that he was simply, in my mind, ignoring the whole situation. Tomorrow was another day, and the fierce determination would come back. How many times have I said that? Well, I messed up at 6 p.m., so I'll just wobble back to the refrigerator or the pantry or the fast food stopover, and I'll, I'll start again tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll have that determination. And yes, again, like Napoleon, I did get to return from Alba over and over and over again. But the thing is, a diet wasn't enough for me. You can have knowledge. And I had knowledge. I've been on so many diets. I had a PhD. You can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. Like, like a, teacher, a, a teacher at a college, a person with a graduate degree 
that won't buy us peace of mind or peace of body or peace of soul. I needed God. And God is a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not invited. And I didn't understand that important piece of the puzzle. I had to pray for divine guidance to help me let go of my ego and my fear and my self-confidence, of which I had very little, except when I'd started another diet. Faith can work miracles. And for me, diet to me is, did I eat today? Do I eat today? That didn't work. I needed so much more than that. My home, meaning myself, had been under renovation for 50 years when I came into OA. And my home was mangled, beaten down, and full of holes. My efforts alone were not working. But it was hard for me to trust the process because I'd failed so many times before. I was hopeless. And there was a wise woman no longer with us on this earth who said, forget about the past, Barbara, with a big Brooklyn accent. Forget about the past. Live in the present. It's a gift. So I did. And I took it one day at a time, but I listened. This time I really listened. I put away my big baby ego and I started listening to my peers. Time. And Thank you. And I started this wonderful process of recovery. And I got peace of mind, peace of heart, and peace of soul. And I love you all and Bill Wilson and Bob for it. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's that tickle. Okay, so if you got on late, um, we are in Bill's story on page four with the first paragraph abruptly in October 1929, reading through two paragraphs, ending with this time we stayed broke, and now's when you all yell more names at me. Somebody from Portland. Wait a minute. Somebody from Beth Portland. W from North Dakota. I got a Nancy, and I need somebody from Portland. Leah it's as H. not Nancy. I'm sorry, Russ I didn't M. get that. I know Leah I got, S H. I got Russ M. I got Leah S H. And I didn't get whoever's from Portland. Leah S H is from Portland. Nikifa. Oh, okay. I got Nikifa. W from North Dakota. And some who's North Dakota? Beth W. Beth? Larry? Yes. And Larry. That's it. We're, I don't know if we'll have time for everybody there, but we'll give it a shot. So I have Nancy T or P, I don't know. Um, Leah and <coughs> Russ M, Nikifa, Beth, and Larry K. Okay, Nancy, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, thanks for letting me share. Um, so, yeah, everybody's been talking about the, um, you know, I went back to the, bar. I almost said I went back to the couch, but <laughs> that's what it feels like. You know, my whole life was any break that I ever got, you know, any rich friend in Canada that I ever had, you know, metaphorically speaking, I squandered the opportunity. Um, and because I wasn't spiritually awake, you know, any time that I, um, I lost weight and I was thinking people, you know, before the meeting started or, or as, you know, people are talking, I was in relapse. I was, you know, I had gained weight, I had eaten, you know, I 
I had had periods of time in the past almost 50 years where my body was, <clears throat> excuse me, an acceptable size, but I never, ever even flirted with recovery. And, um, you know, I was always just on my way up or on my way down. And, you know, the, the idea when I, that whole thing about, you know, that disgusted me, I went back to the couch. You know, I, that to me is like pointing fingers. I, you know, I would point fingers at people and say, well, she does this and I could never do that. And so I'm just not even going to try. I wasn't, you know, I don't even like to use the word willing because I think it's overused. I mean, I wasn't willing, but when I finally got it, I was not even desperate. I was despairing. I was hopeless. I mean, I had nothing um, in my, in my soul. And, um, you know, I finally just this morning realized how a, you know, over 200 pounds, five foot one inch woman can actually be a perfectionist, you know, who was slothful and um, procrastinating and dishonest and all of those things. I was still a perfectionist and yet I pointed my fingers at everybody else, you know, not so much that disgusted me, but I could, I wouldn't do that but I couldn't do what I needed to do, so I just went back to the couch. And, um, you know, the, the, you know, like, not to give away the plot, but, you know, what Bill says coming up about how, you know, the, his last debauch, you know, the, the um, you know, when hope enters, when hope entered my, my soul, December 1st of 2017, um, and the obsession was lifted, um, that was nothing short of a miracle. I've got to find a better word because miracle seems pale. And, um, you know, today I live among my peers. Today I give back what I've so generously been given. Today I talk to people all the time, um, and it's the joy of my life. I used to think that sponsoring, if I was at one of my, you know, acceptable body sizes, um, periods of time, and someone might have the bad sense to ask me to sponsor them, I would usually lie and say, oh, I don't have time. You know, I have other sponsors, which was always a lie. And um, Time. And if I, I'll wrap up. And if I did, I was bored. So, you know, I was a perfectionist on the couch, and um, I'm so grateful for this program. Thank you so much, and bless you all. I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. We have Leah S. H followed by Ross M. Hi, this is Leah SH from Portland, Oregon. Um, I know I'm in the right program when there are so many Leahs. I don't think I've ever been around so many Leahs. Um, and we all say it the same way. Um, I've been in this pro in the vision for a little over a year and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And when I read this passage, I have a little different take on it. Um, I'm, I'm just filled with gratitude that Bill did not jump from the high towers of finance. I'm, I am extremely grateful that he, you know, decided to go drink instead because if he had, you know, jumped from the building, then there wouldn't be at least Bill Wilson's version of AA, or this wouldn't have been written by him. And um, to me, this speaks to that, you know, God there was some purpose in there that, that kind of kept him alive and maybe he was saved by alcohol. Uh, maybe alcohol saved him from, from the despair 
And, and um, I feel the same way for myself. I have had suicidal ideations, especially postpartum. Um, and I think the only thing that kept me alive is that I had a, um, a baby. And as I went through my years of um, this disease and another compulsive disease, trying to parent as a single woman, um, I had a lot of despair and, and food was my comfort. And thank goodness I didn't kill myself because I would not be experiencing what I have now, which is recovery and, and a closer connection with my higher power. Um, and that is my, my sole purpose today is, is um, understanding and knowing my higher power and knowing what, what higher power wants for me today. Um, I happen to be in the, I have a career in sales. And so it's very easy to get caught up in ego. Um, you know, how much are you going to sell this month? Um, are you, how are you doing compared to your, you know, coworkers or the company? And whenever I start um, thinking, oh, I've got to make more money, I've got to make more sales, I get tight. I I don't even know what to do because I'm I'm clueless. I really have no idea how to have success without um, giving it over to my higher power. Um, and I'm just grateful to have this opportunity to share today. It's my first time sharing on this meeting. I happen to have insomnia today, so I'm like I'm going to get on the four o'clock for me at four o'clock meeting, and I am extremely grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Leah F H. Next up, we have Russ M, followed by Nikifa W. Morning, Terry. Good Doing morning. a good job. Keep it rolling. Russ M, recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So uh, the papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. And Bill's like, screw that. I, I got this figured out, you know. And I, I so identify with this. You know, when people told me no, or wrestling, had, when I was wrestling, I had to put that down. Or the girl told me, I'll see you. Get out of my face. I don't want you. You know, <laughs> screw you. I had to figure it out. I knew what I was doing. It may not have been the food. It may, may have been the gym. I went back to the gym. Or I, I put my, my head to the grindstone and worked harder. Or um, uh, my ego just propelled me that nobody's going to tell me anything. And I have it figured out. And in the interim, while I'm figuring it out, you know, the food is, you know, I'm always medicating because I really don't want to deal with the truth. You know, my whole world is falling apart around me and I'm oblivious to it. Right. So what happens? I had to be humble. Bill had to be humble. Now I was brought to my knees, which is, the, you know, this, that's the single, I have single greatest thing ever happened to me. My wife, my kids, my relationship with God, all that is beautiful. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing it, minimizing it. But what's all that worth if I can't appreciate and be grateful for those gifts? The best thing that ever happened to me is I was a compulsive overeater. Yes, I'm saying it. I, I'm glad it's recorded so I can go back and listen to it. This is the single best thing that ever, that's the greatest gift God ever gave me. Because... I will stay humble or I'll die. And I'd rather not die. I like to enjoy what's going on around me. And uh, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed to have this program that, you know, I can figure it out, but not by my own account, not by my own will. With God's help. 
and now I'm becoming closer to God. And the relationship with God is paramount. That's where my dependence is. I'm working at it every day with fear and trembling. It's the greatest thing ever happened to me. And you know what? This meeting is the greatest, one of the greatest things, gifts to me. Each and every one of you on this line, because you're my lifeline. And you keep me honest. And for a guy with an ego like this, I, I need it. So I want to tell you, I truly love you. Have a beautiful day. And keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Thanks, Russ M. Uh, next up, we have Nakifa W., followed by Beth. I didn't get your last initial, Beth. So you can give it to me when you get on. Go ahead, Nakifa. Good morning. This is Nakifa H. Um, oh, all H, I can I'm think sorry. of. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Um, I thought about this the other day, and today it played true again listening to Bill's story. And there's little things that hit inside me that Bill had that issue of terminal uniqueness. He thought he was the exception to every rule. Like he wanted to get into stocks because he's seen a couple of people get rich. Well, majority of the world doesn't get rich doing things, you know, like I think I'm going to win the lottery. You know, I believe I'm the exception to every rule. Therefore, all of that stuff doesn't apply to me. And it's just like, Oh my goodness, Kifa, you're not the, it's so hard to be the exception to the rule, but that old attic in me makes me believe that I'm different. It applies to you. It applies to millions, but it doesn't apply to me. Um, and uh, that's all I got. That, that darn bill. I am Bill W. So thanks for letting me share. Y'all have a good day. With that, I pass. Thank you, Nikifa H. Next up, we have Beth. And I didn't get your last initial, Beth. Hi this, is Beth. Hi, this is Beth W. from North Dakota, where it is 33 below zero this morning. So gratefully recovered and gratefully warm inside my home. Um, I, I am just struck by this section. Um, I would not jump. I went back to the bar, which seems to be the, the common thread of this conversation this morning. I, um, I always drank and ate at people, not with them, not in spite of them, but at people like I'll show you. So whenever something in my life cropped up, I hunkered down with my comfort foods, my alcohol, whatever it was, the things that I could isolate and be on my own by myself um, to try and find my ease and comfort, and I will show you what, how you were wrong, how you hurt me, how, how your plan doesn't work for me, so you can lose weight and I can't because that's a stupid plan or that's this. It, it didn't matter what you said or thought or did. I will show you, and, I'll, and all I did was hurt me. It was, it was always like this attack myself so I can show you how wrong you are. And um, I, I guess that's all I have to say. I was just so struck by this that I'm going to, you know, I, I ate and drank at everybody, not with them, not to make friends with them, not to be congenial, but to show them how wrong they were and how right I was. And in the end, um, it was all about me, always. And that's all I have, and I'll pass. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you, Beth W. 
Plenty of time. You're up, Larry Kay. Hey, Terry. Thank you. Thanks so much. Larry Kay recovered this morning. You know, when I read these paragraphs, I think of what strikes me this morning is I think of the difference between making judgments versus being judgmental. And um, because, boy, I can relate to being judgmental. You know, all human beings make judgments. We either do we go left, do we go right? Are we going to put the food down? Are we not? We make judgments for ourselves. But being judgmental is an evaluation of others. And when my judgments are power-driven and they're not empathetic, they hurt other people. And see, like Bill, I was constantly viewing others' actions through evaluative lenses. And it was killing me. I wasn't just hurting them with my evaluative evaluative lenses. I was hurting myself and I was hurting them. I was being overly critical and it wasn't helpful. And when I did this, people began to avoid me. I suppose they began to avoid Bill and he began, I began to isolate. I bet Bill began to isolate. If they couldn't avoid me, they built bitter resentments towards me. And I wondered why. And what if there was another way to live? You know, what if this 12 step way of life beyond, you know, getting, you know, right-sizing our physical packaging here. What if if this 12-step way of life would allow me to experience a warm acceptance of each aspect of another person? You know, know, that that person's experience as being part of that person. It may not be what I, I might not agree with the behavior, but what if I could love that? What if there was a way of life that allowed me to have no conditions of acceptance, no feeling of, you know, I like you only if you are so-and-so, <clears throat> or maybe I, maybe I could love that person even if I don't agree with that, with, you know, their behavior. Maybe I could do that. You know, pr- it means prizing of that person. And it's at the opposite pole of this selective evaluation, this attitude. You know, you're bad in these ways, good in those ways. See, this is what the 12 steps allowed me to do. I bet it's, it did that for Bill. It, it, it comes with more humility over time. It comes with a, uh, empathy for other people. That's probably the greatest gift. 100 pounds, yeah, that's great. That was good the first, you know, when I hit that goal. But, it's, but I can't tell you the day when I began to stop having those uh, evaluation lenses that just made my life miserable and certainly made those around me miserable. But that was perhaps even a bigger gift. Thank God. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. It looks like we have time for one or two more. Who else would like to share? Lisa B. Lisa B. Naomi B. Naomi B. All right, let's go with that. Lisa B., you're up. Yes, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and um, there's so much I identify in. Um, I was given opportunity after opportunity to learn how to uh, be happy in this life, and I turned my nose up all of them because the mental obsession um, of that I'm better or I'm less than or just something. And I really think there was just such a corrosion, not only in my moral compass, but just in my ability to live in this life and in this world, I needed a total upheaval. And, you know, I was reading in the chapter working with others the other day, and it says in there to spend too much time on any one situation is deny is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. And that's what this book teaches me, how to live and be happy. 
But in order to have that life that is happy and useful, I have to get myself out of the way. And where I'm reading with Bill, you know, he's not at that place yet. Things, he still is uh, driven by self. You know, I am still the compass driving me, driving me at this point. And turning my nose up at others, they're just too weak. You know, they're just too weak. And it took me a long time. It took my body breaking down. It took my mind and my spirit breaking down even more. And it started when I had a foot injury and I could not compulsively exercise. And that's when it began for me. And then I realized that I had a heart condition and then it was really God's grace that I couldn't compulsively exercise or I would have had a heart attack. And things began to happen. And it's amazing what grace will do. And grace is always there, always flowing for me if I'm just willing to see it. And today I am willing to see it. I am willing to hear it. And I do have a life that is happy. It's not a life without problems. But it is a happy and useful life and a way of living. And it starts with learning who and what I am, beginning with entire abstinence. But I had to be in enough pain. And the sad thing is that sometimes even that's not enough. And my first AA sponsor taught me there are those that die for us so that we can learn from them. Sometimes we don't learn in this life and we die. We die an unopened gift unrecovered and I just don't want to live that way anymore and I didn't have the body weight and I didn't lose my house but I was dead inside and spiritually bankrupt with that I pass thank you thank you Lisa B Naomi B you're up you have about two minutes okay hi thank you can you hear me yep Okay, great. Hi, good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. What I love here is the papers reported were men jumping to death from the towers of the high finance. This disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. Well, originally, I'm not originally, but these men that jumped, because their higher power, their money, their finance was gone. And then Bill went back to the bar. He went back to his higher power. And then down here it says, as I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. And that's fake courage. I mean, he got, he got his stamina, his strength from a bottle or, a, a, you know, a jug or something of, of his alcoholic beverage. And, oh, my gosh, I could so relate to that. Oh, my gosh, with the food. And it was so beautifully said earlier that I would drink towards someone or I'd eat, I'll show you. I did the exact same thing. This is a beautiful part of this program. It's leveling the field. When I came first came into OA, my anniversary is coming up next week, it's like I didn't realize anyone else did the same thing with food that I did. Thank you, God, that's not the case today. Thank you, God. And again, so beautifully said, I too can say I am thankful that I'm a compulsive overeater because my life has been so transformed. It's crazy. I just heard Saturday that my youngest brother died suddenly. My baby brother is like 64 years young, and he died suddenly, and it rocked my world. But, you know, no food, no food would have filled that hole. And thank you, God, I got through it, and I'm still getting through it, and I'm abstinent. And thank you, God, I turn everything. I've gotten such support from my family and my extended family, and it's like no food would have changed anything. It certainly wouldn't have brought Chucky back. And I am today, just for today, and I know God's going to get us through over the weekend when we have to travel to Kentucky for the service. But you know what? 
God is good, and it's like no food's going to change anything. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B., and I'm very sorry about your brother. Thank you to everyone who shared. What a great meeting, and I'd like to thank everyone for their enthusiasm to share and how excited everybody was to share this message. <laughs> Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is 12,481. That's 12481. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Hoodie R please read a vision for you? Thank you so much, Terry Ann, for leading and um, a wonderful meeting. Um, my name is Hoodie R. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.